0: fighting. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can. Oh
1: This is four color radio where the notes meet the page well happy tuesday everyone sorry happy snowy tuesday everyone for those of you living in the greater edmonton area you know right now that there's just a lot of snow out there and uh very difficult it was it was not a great drive coming into uh the newly named uh origin road um studios here in sherwood park uh lots of fun lots of slush lots of snow um but uh, hopefully i'm gonna make up for a lot of this by bringing you. Um, I was about to say lots of music. Um, There is a lot of music. We're going to play an entire album tonight, uh, but the songs are fairly short, so (laughs) that's part of the reason we're going to be able to get through the whole album. Uh, Welcome to 4Color Radio. My name is Jay. And I'm your host for the evening, and uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun tonight doing something a little bit odd, a little bit different. Uh, And I am hopefully going to get you folks to chat in with me tonight, because I'm kind of flying solo here tonight. Uh, It was one of those things where we, um, in the early stages of booking all the episodes, it was kind of hard to coordinate guests and get things going. Uh, So, uh, but... I have an off week tonight and uh, and so it's just me. I actually do have a co-host uh, in the studio with me uh, and I'll be putting up a selfie later on on my Facebook page. So if you want to hunt me down and find me, it's J Bardella, B-A-R-D-Y-L-A, although probably those of you listening are people who already know me and, uh, and can find me anyway, but I'll have a, I will have a photo up of that shortly. Um, for those of you who have been listening week to week, you may have noticed uh, our intro music and that tends to play. Uh, and it's been changing up a little bit every week. And I've got my good buddy Phil Scott, who was our guest on the first week of Four Colour Radio. Uh, he's been splicing together these fun little intros for us. And uh, and it's been fantastic. So shout out to Phil. Thank you very, very much. And uh, yeah, and we're going to jump into it. Maybe we should have a contest at some point. Maybe name all the songs. But the other they're pretty obvious. There's not a whole lot of like trickery in there, um, but it might be fun. Hopefully you're playing along at home, seeing if you can name all the soundtracks those songs come from. Uh, and if you don't, well, maybe you can ask on the chat. That's right. If you go to soundsugarradio.com, which is where you're probably already at, because where you're listening to it. Um, on the front page, there's a big word bubble that says live chat. If you click on that, you can hop into the chat. You can join me tonight, uh, make some comments and you're probably going to want to comment on a lot of these songs tonight. Cause there's some interesting things that are going to be coming down the pipe. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Well, I can wait. I'll wait a few more minutes as I talk about a few other things. Um, to get us going. Uh, first off, Sound Sugar Radio, the network uh, for the month of May, is doing a special fundraising event for uh, multiple sclerosis. And they have an actual special um, interactive event coming up on Saturday, May 29th. So between 2 and 5 p.m., uh, they are hosting a Zoom and several. Uh, hosts from different radio shows along with some local celebrities are going to be in on this zoom and it's going to be a truth or dare session. So those of you uh, fans of different radio programs, um, I would say mine, but you know, it's my friends are listening and they do so out of more probably obligation than actual enjoyment or entertainment. But if you do decide to come on and do the truth or dare thing for $5, you can truth or dare one of the hosts or special guests. And of course, 100% of all the money raised on that day will go to the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation. So hopefully if you guys have a little bit of time to kill on Saturday afternoon between 2 and 5 p.m., uh, you'll visit soundtriggerradio.com, uh, see where you can log into the Zoom, and join us on uh, tr- for some truth or dare. All right, so tonight I kind of build the episode as a bit of an origin story, and uh, I'm going to have a little bit of a hard time keeping track of my time, because I do this schedule up for myself, but it assumes that I start at 8.30. <laughs> if I don't start at 8.30, I have to like mentally keep track of the time at that point, point. Uh, and time... Is a relative concept, time is an abstract concept, time is math, Um, and that's very, very tricky. So I'm not great at math, but I'm going to do my best to stay on target here and get through this record as I uh, share with you folks some uh, truly wonderful stuff. Um, So the origin story for tonight. Well, my origin story is pretty simple. Uh, A lot of people kind of already know it. Uh, I was a comic book guy uh, as a kid and grew up to be a comic book non-kid, uh, still kid at heart, I guess, uh, owning my own store for several years, um, working for other stores for many years, and uh, just having a love and passion of comics, uh, which when the opportunity presented itself for this show, or to be on the network, um, it was kind of a, a, trying to find a neat way to kind of work two passions in together, music and comics, and uh and So comes Four Color Radio, where we talk about music from film and TV show that are based on on comic book characters. And and tonight we're not doing a specific soundtrack overall. We're going to be doing some samplings uh, from a particular album that is called, uh, and if you saw the, the sneak peek, the super record of superheroes uh, as sung by the super dupers. So there's a whole lot of super going on in this uh, in this album. A lot of, uh, there's a, a pretty good mix of different musical styles and uh, some different flavors, but it is very much a product of its time. Um, there's not a specific date on the album anywhere or on the sleeve. <laughs> Actually the back of the record sleeve Um, has information for a completely different album by the same company, Happy Time Records, but uh, there's no date anywhere. Um, I did manage to find there were some other people who uh, have posted bits and pieces up on YouTube um, and they have the same record and they posted up some certain songs, um, things that they really enjoyed and things that were a lot of fun. And it is, it is a lot of fun in its own way. Um, But it's also a little bit strange and a little bit weird also interesting how it is kind of billed as being a super record for of superheroes. Um, we'll kind of come back to that uh, later after the end of the show, after you've had a chance to to listen and check it out. Um, so let's kind of get started. Let's just kind of dive right in here a little bit. That's a lame origin story, wasn't it? I didn't really. I did stuff, and now I'm doing this stuff, and yeah, I was kind of weak. Uh, I'll work on it a little bit later. See if I can come up with something more interesting involving aliens and. Whatnot, um, but let's roll into the beginning for. Uh, oh, thanks, Phil. Nineteen. Yeah, I figured it's probably nineteen sixty six. Uh, Phil the Thrill uh, jumped in on the chat. Looks like nineteen sixty six. He's probably right. When you start hearing all the music, you will find that it fits very nicely into that uh, time period. So, we're gonna start off here uh, with our beginning uh, from Happy Time Records. And we're going to listen to the first couple tracks on here because they are kind of nice and tight and quick. And then uh, we'll do a little bit of discussion. But our first two tracks are uh, Batman and Robin and uh, followed by uh, The Phantom. And just for those uh, who are wondering, yep, we're spinning vinyl. So uh, we got a record player in the studio and uh, it's automated. So I have pushed the magic button and the arm lifts and I'm not even touching it, man. This is this is crazy. So. Here we go. Some Batman and Robin. Knowing that all criminals
2: are a superstitious, cowardly lot, my disguise must be able to strike terror into their hearts. I must be a creature of the night. I know I'll be Batman.
3: in the dark There's been a murder in Gotham Park Everyone's searching for a clue But the commissioner knows what to do
0: He flashes the bat signal in the
3: sky but the banner of justice is standing by When dressed
0: in his bat
3: cave that deep on the ground He's on his nuclear Batmobile To save the town
2: Once again, law and order triumphs over the forces of evil, and Gotham settles down until the next time the dreaded bat signal in the sky is needed to summon the invincible. Batman and Robin,
3: Batman and Robin. The weapon yet to be found, so Robin dug it up. So no one can see And waited quietly behind the tree The villain returns to the scene of the crime To dig up the weapon that he left behind He turns around to make his skin away But Batman's in a show battle. On that battle don't pay.
2: Of evil and Gotham settles down until the next time the dreaded bat signal in the sky is needed to summon the invincible.
3: ...is looking for you. Well, he wears a mask and a hood on his head, the phantom. When he gets in a fight, he's never afraid. He's laughing. (laughs) His wild animal friends are always near. And if you're doing it wrong, pretty soon you'll hear that the phantom is looking for you you can't get away so don't even try he's so tough he makes grown men cry he doesn't use a gun or a magic sign he always wins cause he's always right the phantom the phantom When he hits Adam He's got muscles that he never has used Oh so watch your step or you'll get the news that the Phantom (laughs) is looking for you Well he wears a mask and a hood on his head laughing (laughs) his wild animal friends are always near and if you're doing it wrong pretty soon you'll hear that the phantom (laughs) is looking for you Try. He's so tough he makes a grown man cry. He doesn't use a gun or a magic sign. He always wins cause he's always right. The Phantom
1: And that was the phantom by the super dupers kind of going a little bit to the monkeys i think kind of at the end there it seemed to have a little almost like last train to clarksville type of vibe to it it's a nice little tambourine extra action in there uh, a lot of fun before the phantom there was uh, batman and robin also by the super dupers from the album the super record of superheroes um I, let me know what you think. If you guys are uh, online here listening in to uh, pop onto the chat, tell me what you think. I have a couple of comments. I'm There's some things I really try to wrap my head around when I listen to this album. Actually, let's give you the origin story of the album. Uh, in 2019, uh, not long after I sold off my business, uh, I decided that I needed to take a road trip and just go buy some comics and have some fun and get a day away. And uh, I took my buddy Phil uh, who I mentioned early in the show who did the editing for our intros and stuff like that and Phil and I bombed down to Calgary for the day and we hit a whole bunch of comic stores and of course uh, no trip to Calgary is complete without a stop at record land um, and while in record land just killing time looking to you know spend some money and pick up some cool records um, I decided to do something I never do when I go to record land and usually when I go there I'm very focused I know I want certain things I'm kind of Picking out pieces for my collection or whatever, and the music I want to listen to, and I decided to hop over into the miscellaneous uh, kids section, uh, which is buried at the very bottom, at the one of the far corners of uh, one of the aisles in Record Land, and I'm just digging through it. And as I pull the sleeve out, I see the cover of the Super Record of Superheroes, and I don't, I don't even open it up. I, I don't even look at. It. I was just like, I'm taking. It, it was like. I don't know, it was probably like three bucks or five bucks or something. just take it. Let's just go. And it wasn't until I got home that I actually realized that the back of the album sleeve was actually promoting a completely different album. Uh, But regardless, you know, and like, whatever, this is cool. This is going to be kind of weird and fun. I pop it on the record player, give it a listen, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is absolutely nothing that I expected. Um, Still a lot of fun. Super weird. The Batman and Robin story. Man, that's... uh, that was kind of interesting, wasn't it, you think? Um, I'm, a couple things that kind of catch me off guard there. They refer to the bat signal as the dreaded bat signal. And it makes it sound like the bat signal is is somehow going to attack and kill people. <laughs> I don't know why the bat signal is dreaded. Um, and nobody really kind of dreads people just casually walk up to the roof of the uh, Gotham Police headquarters there and just flip that sucker on whenever they needed to. So I don't really know what, the, what everyone dreading it. I know when you flip it, there's a dire situation. That is to be dreaded. But I don't think the bat signal itself is to be dreaded. Um, but I do love the the second verse. I don't know, third verse, I think it is, where uh, uh, Robin finds a gun. He unearths a gun and then buries it and then hides behind a tree, waiting for the criminal to come back to the scene of the crime, as criminals do, to get the gun so that they can capture him. Yeah, this isn't, it's not very Batman-y. I don't know. It was, I feel like, there could have been more, <laughs> but I think when you're kind of slapping some songs together and you're just trying to make things rhyme, um, you get what you get. Um, the Phantom one, though, actually probably has one of my favorite lines out of all the songs on this album, uh, where it's in it's in the um, the opening verse. There, um, he's got muscles that he never has used. And I don't really, I don't know if that's a braggable. Is that something that if you can say that you've got muscles that you've never used, is that really intimidating to your foe that you're about to face? Like, do you use that as a battle cry as you're about to try to kick someone's ass? Do you tell them, I have muscles I've never even used? I mean, I guess if you put the right inflection and tone into it, anything can sound totally badass. Um... But that one just threw me right off. I don't even know why you would put that into a theme song. But it was the 60s, and the 60s are what we got. Um, let's do a little bit of background stories on some of the characters that we're talking about. I mean, because that's always kind of fun. Batman and Robin, um, you know, Pretty well-known. I think everyone kind of knows about them. Uh, The backstory and the history and obviously the villains, there's been so much. Um, But uh, the basic backstory, Batman was created by Bob Kane and, more importantly, Bill Finger. um, uh, Back, uh, first debuted in Detective Comics 27, which came out March 30th, 1939. Um, Obviously has a tremendous amount of comic books, um, newspaper comic strips, uh, radio serials, movie serials, radio shows, Movies, so many movies, cartoons and shows. Um, he's pretty much the, and has been for a very long time, kind of the the pinnacle um, of which most franchises uh, were built up against. Um, he was Bob Bob Kane, kind of conceived the idea as a kind of a counter to Superman who had debuted just uh, a little bit before that um, to try to give us a more human character, someone who is, a, you know, just a little bit more, supposedly realistic um, and who was fighting crime and while Superman was all kind of bright and shiny and his red and blue um, and always kind of in the daylight Batman tended to operate more in the nighttime Um, actually now thinking back to that first song of the opening it's uh, when when Batman is talking he needs to become something um, something scary for the villains he needs to be able to terrify them and he says I will become a Batman. And I was just kind of like, oh, you could have just stopped at Bat, because that's kind of how the comic went. I will become a creature of the night. I will become a bat. And no, they kind of rolled with it a little bit further on the record, but eh, uh, poetic license. We'll take it for what it is. Um, so the Phantom is a character who actually predates Batman, because most people know Batman has been around for a very long time, is pretty old, but the Phantom uh, was a character created by Lee Falk back, and he first debuted in uh, February 17th of 1936. Now, the character of the Phantom uh, operates uh, out of Africa, which seems to me like that's kind of, for that period of time, um, you know, pretty Pretty unique thing to do to take a character and set it outside of North America. Um, The Phantom's nickname was the Ghost Who Walks, which actually, that's pretty intimidating. It's a lot better than saying you've got muscles that you've never used. Um, The Daily Comic Strip that started out uh, for the Phantom is actually still running today. And creator Lee Falk was actually working on the strip right up until he passed away in 1999. Uh, And then for those of you who are... Um, tying everything together to the four-color radio theme, um, of course, the, the most, the last movie we had of the Phantom was uh, the movie that debuted back in 1996 with uh, Billy Zane as the lead uh, hero, of the Phantom. Uh, also starred a lot of other. Um, fairly notable actors for around that period of time. There's Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, Christy Swanson, I believe, was in it. Uh, now is one of those times I wish I had a guest because they would probably fill in the rest of the blanks for me. But um, I remember the movie kind of at that point in time was kind of okay. I don't think it was any kind of big blockbustery type stuff. Um, but certainly... Uh, uh, not a terrible movie. I could be mistaken. If I am mistaken, feel free to jump in the chat and just say, "Jay, you're out of your mind. That movie was not good." <laughs> um, so that's a little bit of uh, at least the kind of the back, very very basic backstories of our first two uh, songs that we're covering tonight. There, Batman and Robin, and then the Phantom, as covered by uh, as as sung by the Super Duper's. So we're gonna move on to our uh, our next two characters that we're going to cover, um, I can guarantee you, you will, the first, the first song is based on The Shadow, and it's, it's not bad, pretty heavily, uh, okay, <laughs> I have been corrected, the 1996 Phantom is one of the worst movies that Phil has, Phil's comics has ever seen, I got two Phil's in the chat, I'm going to have to make sure they're clear, but yeah, the Phantom is one of the worst movies I have ever seen, it was terrible, See, when people say something like that, it makes me feel we should revisit it because it maybe just needs a fair shot. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into the next two songs here. First one is The Shadow, which is actually, you know, it wasn't kind of a a terrible um, track. Uh, for those of you who like to use any sort of recreational substances, uh, now is probably a good time to top up because this song is going to like really kind of flow right with your groove once you get going. Uh, and then coming up after The Shadow will be Flash Gordon. And if you do not find this song incredibly detached from anything that has to do with the character um then you probably were still feeling the effects from the hallucinogenics that you took while you were listening to the shadow so uh, let's get back here to the the super dupers uh with our tracks the shadow and flash gordon
2: What evil lurks in the dark of night. Oh, uh, well, uh, the shadow room.
3: This beat But he organized and merchandise And sold a lot of playwright guns Neat, here he comes Flash Gordon All the girls love Flash Gordon But there's no time for love And no time for Gordon Cause Flash Gordon has more important Things to do Out in space It's the only place you'll ever Ever want to be Just to take a trip in a spaceship That's the way to flip flash out Neat, here he comes Flash Gordon All the girls love Flash Gordon But there's no time for love and No time for Gordon Cause Flash Gordon has more important things to do says B, but he organized and merchandise and sold a lot of play-ray guns. Neat, here he comes, Flash Gordon. All the girls love Flash Gordon, but there's no time for love and no time for cordon, cause Flash Gordon has more important things to do. Flash Gordon has more important things to do. Here he comes. Flash Gordon. All the girls love Flash Gordon. There's no time for love and no time for Gordon. Because Flash Gordon has
1: more important things to do. I think if there was one word that can describe that song, I think neat is the word. Uh, Absolutely. I can't even. I can't even think about who they're uh, they're they're singing about in this song. <laughs> I don't know how it has uh, anything to do with Flash Gordon. Um, Flash had a ray gun, not an everyday gun. Uh, it's an, he organized, he merchandized, um, and you know when it comes to the ladies, I'm sorry, he's got more important things to do. <laughs> uh that is delightful um actually it's it might be my favorite song on the album uh we do have a couple couple more to get through but uh let's kind of roll back here and talk a little bit about uh, these two bad boys so our first song that we had in that set was um the song the shadow um, which was mostly an instrumental song uh and i thought was was pretty cool i think out of all the songs around the album it, it almost is kind of mostly because it's an instrumental i think it's kind of the the least hokey um but it also kind of has the um closest association i think to the character it actually kind of feels somewhat closely related to the shadow and what the shadow did and who he was and who was the shadow? Well, the shadow was a character created by Walter B. Gibson and first debuted as a radio character, uh, July 1st, 1930. Uh, and then due to public demand and just the, the, um, uh, people thriving to get more out of him, He eventually made his way into the pulps and the first pulp debuted April 1st of 1931. So less than a year later. Um, one of the cool stats I saw about the early radio shows of The Shadow was that Orson Welles actually had voiced um, several of the episodes as the lead character. Um, there have been multiple movies made of The Shadow throughout the, the decades coming afterwards. Um, and the last one uh, is by, was in 1994 featuring Alec Baldwin as, as The Shadow, which... I had totally forgotten about. And to me, in my mind, uh, I am now fixated on the fact that Alec Baldwin is a comedic actor, obviously 30 Rock. Uh, and then he's uh, made some other movies, he doing Donald Trump and SNL, playing these very, very, uh, you know, um, funny characters. But looking back through his film history, you see that he's... You know, he's had a really, really wild ride. He's done everything. He's done these action hero movies like The Shadow. He's done serious and dramatic movies. He's done comedy and TV shows and film and everywhere else. So it's, uh, yeah, that was kind of a neat little trip for me down memory lane. I'd never really been huge into The Shadow um, possibly because I'm not really a Batman guy either, and Batman was very influenced by the shadow uh, that came along. There, there's a lot of things that they do that are very similar. The detective work, obviously, being a big thing, um, big long black cape, um, disguised face, the whole nine yards. Um, so there's there's a lot of similarities. A lot of Batman was um, pulled from the mythos of the shadow. So, um, But certainly a character that's had a, an endearing uh, path throughout the years and still kind of is with resonates with people today and is still out there. Um, one of the things I did notice in the song, um, the, the very few lyrics that they had is that they kind of recite one of the more famous lines from The Shadow. And that line is, what evil lurks in the dark of night, which is not commonly phrased uh commonly used phrase they use that on the album they say what evil lurks in the dark of night but the uh al- the saying that is most commonly associated with shadow is what evil lurks in the heart of men and i thought it was kind of weird that they changed that up i don't know if they had to change it up it was some kind of a copyright issue but they did and um and it's too bad because I kind of like that the the dark of night seems it's a little cliche, but in the heart of men kind of to me was it was, it was a great phrase. I always thought it was absolutely fantastic because it's like who knows what evil lurks in the heart of men. It's like that's seriously intense and, and, and deeply enriching and and uh, made the shadow kind of like a, uh, a cool character. i not a huge fan, but I still kind of got his coolness. Um, the second song on there, obviously um, Flash Gordon other than the fact that, uh, you know, he he had a ray gun, um, not an everyday gun. It was about as close as we got to doing anything with Flash Gordon. Um, Flash Gordon was created by Alex Raymond and debuted back in January 7th of 1934, originally starting in comic strips before kind of moving on to other media and formats. Um, but he was originally designed to be competition against Buck Rogers. And what I had totally forgotten is that Buck Rogers, was that old, was an early 1930s um, science fiction creation. And I, to me, as a kid growing up through the 70s, I saw the Buck Rogers TV show, and that's kind of what stuck with me. And I literally forgot that Buck Rogers predates that um, by decades. Um, However, with Flash Gordon, probably the most notable thing is the 1980 movie, um, which starred... I did not know this, I knew the guy, the character who played Flash Gordon in the movie, I was kind of familiar with him, um, Sam J. Jones. What I did not realize was that he was a Playgirl centerfold, so I guess his extra prettiness is what helped him get that role as one of the the handsome spacefaring Flash Gordon. Uh, And of course, if everyone who's listening tonight is a fan of music, you know that the Flash Gordon soundtrack of that movie was composed and performed by Queen. And so that's a good time to segue into the fact that that album is actually coming up in a few weeks. Yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna revisit the Flash Gordon soundtrack um, by Queen, and that's gonna be an awesome. That's gonna be in about three weeks, so you know you can mark it on your calendar, or you could just mark every Tuesday night to tune in. Uh, if you don't tune in live on Tuesday nights, that's okay. It gets archived and played later on the Sound Sugar Radio Network uh, at your disposal whenever you want it. All right, it's time to move on to a couple more songs here. Uh, Our next two songs that are coming up. Interesting. Very, very interesting. I don't even know what to say. The Flash Gordon song was very detached lyrically from the character. The next song that's coming up is The March of Tarzan. And it is acoustic, the, the sound, the music that has created, uh, I find very detached from the character. It doesn't really seem to feel like anything that Tarzan would be listening to or playing. Uh, so check it out. See for yourselves if you have anything to say. Um, <laughs> thank you, Phil, uh, flash. ah, indeed. Um, so Tarzan will come up first, followed by Captain Marvel Jones. Um, again, an odd little twist to the thing. Now, this record being produced in 66, um, there's probably a period of time there where the Captain Marvel thing might have been in issue. Um, but the lyrics that come along with the Captain Marvel song also kind of like throw you off a little bit as well. Uh, but I will play the songs and let you folks decide for yourself uh, what you think about these two uh, songs. So first up is The March of Tarzan. Followed by Captain Marvel Jones and I am on Four Color Radio. Enjoy. <laughs>
2: Everybody's trying to put down But he just grins and laughs at them And he never says a word Cause he knows when he says that name He can fly just like a bear Shazam, y'all, Captain Marvel trouble all the time and helping folks what's in a gym, watching all those uh, bad guys 24 hours a day. You ought to hear them scream and holler when they hear him say, Shazam, y'all. Superman It flies into the Middle of trouble all the time And helping folks what's in a gym Watching All those uh, Bad guys 24 hours a day You ought to Hear them uh, scream And holler When they hear him say Shazam, y'all Captain Marble Jones, I hate.
1: Captain Marvel Jones there off the super duper record of superheroes. Interesting stuff. Well, let's go back to the first song before that was the March of Tarzan. Uh, obviously referring to Tarzan. Oops. Don't do that. <laughs> I clearly do not know how to operate a record player. All right. No, one's going to do it again. Don't do that. I stopped it. All right. So, uh, I did not stop it. All right. Professional radio DJ here. I am not. All right. (laughs) This is why I shouldn't be left alone. I need supervision. I'm doing this show. All right. So March of Tarzan. Uh, Clearly a tribute to Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, uh, and all the other... Iterations that came after it, um, created by Edgar Rice Burroughs, um, initially based off of some novels starting back in 1912. Um, but it was using a concept that was not particularly new, uh, per se. And uh, the rumor has it that oh, <laughs> the rumor has it that uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs had actually started writing the books um, not using a wholly original concept um, just to see how lazily he could get away with writing something and still have it become fairly popular uh, as he was kind of a noted author at the time. Um, But uh, it certainly worked out pretty well for him because uh, it became immensely popular. It, uh, it has lasted to this day uh, in a variety of different formats through uh, through film and comics and more novels and everything else. And actually, uh, and especially in film, uh, between 1932 and 1948, there were 12 full-length, well, for the time, full-length Tarzan movies. Uh, and of course, in the more modern area, we had uh, 1999, we had uh, the Disney film, uh, which I believe was soundtracked by Phil Collins, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, I've got a couple of Phil's in the chat room who will back me up or correct me uh, on that one. And of course, then the most recent uh, Tarzan movie, The Legend of Tarzan, uh, in 2016, starring Alexander Skarsgård, who most people uh, will probably agree on is a just a very attractive human being. And when you throw him in a loincloth and just have him swing through a rainy jungle, uh, a lot of people are going to enjoy that movie regardless of what the plot is. Ain't no harm in that sometimes, right? All right. Um, The interesting thing, completely instrumental, March of Tarzan had a really cool, uh, I thought really sick guitar riff in there that kind of counterbalances back and forth with the organ, playing a very similar set of keys and notes and stuff like that, but I'm not even really sure how Tarzan-y that song is. I'm just not getting Tarzan vibes out of it at all. Um, But uh, regardless, it, it, that's what it was and that's what the uh, the producers decided to go with for that um, I don't know what you guys think of it as uh, as uh, Phil Comics uh, on the chat line there said you know there's a, there's actually a local band in Edmonton called Bikini Toll Beach Party um, they would probably take that March of Tarzan song and just absolutely just just make it gold, absolute gold. It would be fantastic to hear them. Um, when we get back to the point where we can have live concerts again, it'll be, uh, we'll put a bug in their ear for Bikini Atoll to cover that song. Following March of Tarzan was Captain Marvel Jones, and it's a song that kind of confuses me. Again, don't really know why they tossed the Jones on the end there. Uh, even within the song, they kind of make references to things that are about captain marvel aka shazam um you know he's a shoe a, a shoe shine boy uh, he says the magic word shazam to become you know the superhero that he is but they refer to him as the southern superman so i'm not really sure if attacking on the jones at the end of the title of the song or the name of the character and referring to him as a southern superman um, because captain marvel wasn't particularly a, like faucet city was not particularly in the South. Um, It was a fairly metropolitan city, um, the fictional city of Fawcett City. Um, So I'm not really sure if there's some kind of underlying tone or story that's there behind that song. Uh, It'd be really cool to kind of dig deeper into it and see if we can learn more about it, but it's most of the information about these songs are, are pretty tough to come by. Uh, as Phil's Comics also pointed out earlier, though, there is a, a couple of uh, musicians of note that are actually uncredited but have been recognized on the song. J.J. Um, Kale being one of them, who's a, a fairly famous uh, uh, musician from that period of time, and uh, most of the members of the band uh, came from an existing band called the Almond Joys, Which, if you do a little bit of digging up for them, you'll find that they, you know, they had, they were in their, uh, they had their notoriety as well, and they did, they put out some records and were uh, famous for doing certain genres and styles of songs. But uh, yeah, certainly very, very cool and interesting stuff. I talked a little bit about Tarzan, a little bit about Captain Marvel. Uh, He was created by. Uh, Bill Parker and CC Beck, and he debuted in Wiz Comics number two, which was December of 1939. Um, really close to the time around all the big superheroes were coming out, most notably Superman, and that was because Captain Marvel was a counter uh, to Superman, where Superman was this, uh, you know, the perfect adult male. Uh, Captain Marvel was all about the the the, the wish fulfillment of every young boy, preteen, and teenage boy, was to be the world's mightiest mortal, to be the strongest, to be the fastest, to be um, that character. Uh, It was so similar to Superman that uh, DC Comics, or National Publications at the time, actually sued Wiz, uh, and that lawsuit dragged on for many, many a year, eventually uh, driving Wiz into uh, bankruptcy, at which point National scooped up um, the character, more or less, um, from them, uh, and then... From that point, when you kind of get into the uh, the late 50s, early 60s, the confusion really begins because the name kind of lapses. Marvel Comics picks it up. Marvel Comics starts creating characters called Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel gets rebranded Shazam, so on and so forth. Uh, it is a bit of a convoluted history. Uh, it, it, it's kind of an interesting read to go back and, and learn all about Shazam from. Step one, but uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty cool, but it's he's endured, he's kind of bounced back. Um, 2019 Shazam movie with Zachary Levy was actually really well received and did very well at the box office, um, all things considered. It was not built as kind of like a mega blockbuster. It was meant to be a little bit more subtle and it had fantastic returns. The sequel is in the works with the uh, cast from the first movie. So, if you did enjoy um, that Shazam film, and I did, surprisingly so, a little bit, because I was, when I saw the commercials for it, I was kind of like, eh, this seems really hokey and really weird, and I'm not going to like it. Turns out I liked it quite a bit. So, Hopefully you did too, and hopefully uh, I'll see you out there for the sequels. All right, we're going to get into our last two songs here of the night um, off the uh, the super record of superheroes, and then uh, a little bit of closeout afterwards with uh, after some history. But uh, this next song, is it's kind of weird because, uh, well, they're all weird. I don't know why I can just say that about every song. Really love the music. Um, the vocals on it, kind of a little bit off, but... Uh, but I'll let you let you kind of see that for yourself. Uh, it is the Mickey Mouse March. And then after the Mickey Mouse March, we will hear from uh, the Green Hornet. So now that I've gone and ruined my aesthetic to the record player, oh, how am I going to be able to do this? I don't know if I'm that talented. Am I graceful enough? I'm not. I'm, not. I'm going to line it up here. This is like kicking it super old school. Uh, give me one sec. There, drop it down. No, I'm gonna miss. I'm totally gonna miss. Yeah. Terrible eyesight. Okay.
0: Am I safe?
1: Now there is the Green Hornet, as performed by the Super Dupers on the superhero record of super the super record of superheroes. There's a whole lot of supers in this stuff. Um, Yeah, and it's actually probably the only song on the entire album that really utilizes um, uh, the actual kind of theme music associated uh, with the character. Um, The obvious exception being the song that came on just before it, which was the Mickey Mouse March, which was um, a very Puberty laden uh, rendition of that song. Uh, I, I mean, there are certainly enjoyable musical parts to it, but the vocals leave something to be desired, especially for the poor person at the very end there who clearly um, wanted to hit a high note and could not. Um, but yeah, uh, that Green Hornet, though, one kind of cool, um, going a bit more jazz and some big band um, stylings in there, kind of really. Playing it up and and going hard and uh, fill the thrill on there says he's he's kind of digging it it's funky and uh, he's liking it I absolutely was yeah the Mickey Mouse March there kind of going a little bit on the uh, almost kind of going onto the surfer side of it a little bit I'm picking up some uh, some vibes of some some Dick Dylan type stuff um, that's in there obviously not as quick and rapid a bit more kind of like slower uh, note wise but uh, <clears throat> certainly getting that good vibe and good feel from it for sure uh, so a little bit of a backstory stuff here Well, Mickey mouse, uh, obviously created by Walt Disney, but also through his co-creator, uh, Ubi works, um, who is also, um, created, um, who worked with Walt through quite a bit of uh, stuff when they produced things through the Disney Studios. Uh, Mickey Mouse was first appeared publicly, or I guess in wide distribution, and then the Steamboat Willie cartoon debuted in November 18th of 1928. Uh, He had appeared a few months earlier in a short feature called Playing Crazy, but that feature was not as um, widely distributed. Um, So most people tend to kind of look at Steamboat Willie as his kind of first appearance. Obviously an endless uh, slew of... Uh, cartoons, films, comics, uh, um, cities. (laughs) He's got like, you know, everything that was built up because of the success of Mickey Mouse, uh, the amusement parks around the world. Um, Personally, for myself, uh, Fantasia is probably my favorite Disney film, um, even though it came out in 1940, and I probably didn't see it until well into the 70s. um, But it was kind of also my I, you know, from what I can recall, probably one of my earlier introductions to classical music, um, which, of course, co- cartoons from that period of time are actually really good for And You think about, um, you know, Bugs Bunny cartoons and, and of course, a lot of Disney stuff introducing classical music to uh, a lot of children as they grew up. And the Green Hornet uh, is a character created by George W. Trendle and Fran Stryker, Fran short for Francis. Um I don't know why I felt the need to say that. Uh, Fran Stryker actually also was co-creator of uh, Lone Ranger and Sergeant Preston of the Yukon. So the guy was pretty prolific when it came to writing his his, his characters uh, and creating characters. Um, Green Hornet debuted... On the radio, January 31st of 1936, he debuted in the comics uh, in December of 1940, and like a lot of characters that came up through that time, did a lot of uh, film, feature film, short film, um, even had that TV series in 1966, uh, only ran for one season. Um, that show started uh, starred Van Williams and is most notably remembered for now because of the character of Kato played by Bruce Lee, who of course, when, when Bruce Lee became immensely popular, people then began to get an appreciation for the show, but there was actually only ever one season of it. Uh, and there was also the crossover episodes where, uh, Green Hornet and Kato crossed over with Batman and Robin. And there's a couple of really good fight scenes in there. Um, and as it always kind of went with uh, with most Green Hornet stuff, it is Cato who does most of the heavy lifting um, because he kicked ass. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. So, um, comic wise, Green Hornet's still in publication today. Um, there is a uh, there are still comics that come out uh, from the Green Hornet, and uh, usually kind of short miniseries off and on. Uh, Mickey Mouse. There are comics that still come out for them today, uh, along with the entire t- cast of Disney characters. Um, Strangely enough, though, it always kind of seems that in the comic world, Mickey was not as successful as or as popular as some of his companion characters, most notably like Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge, because those books actually had almost some would say like they have had longer print runs, higher sales and arguably more popularity in the comic book format. But of course, uh, Mickey Mouse, obviously globally recognizable um, uh, and just a huge influence on pop culture for you know, decades and decades now. So that was our trip down uh, a trippy lane uh, through Happy Time Records, who brought to us the super record of superheroes as sung by and played by the Super Dupers. Uh, I hope you folks enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you, along with my uh, compatriot here, Kaiju Two. Uh, so yeah, that was my, my special surprise in-studio guest tonight, because I just didn't want to be alone. I mean, my producer Daryl's on the other side of the room, but he's in another booth, he doesn't hear half the things I'm saying any day and he just tells me when something's wrong. So it was nice to have Kaiju two here again by my side. And uh, there's a picture up on Facebook for those of you who have missed her and uh, would like to see her again. So you can find me, your host, uh, Jay Bardilla, And thank you for listening to uh, four color radio on the sound trigger Radio Network. I really appreciate you guys tuning in for me, and hopefully you'll tune in next week as well. Uh, when uh, I will have my first of two doctors that will be appearing uh, on the show, and they're not really like medical doctors, I guess, but they're doctors. They're, uh, they're they've got their doctorates, so they're pretty good. Um, uh, doctor next week will be Doctor Mike Pershawn, uh, who's also known as the Steampunk Scholar, and he will be coming uh, be joining me t- next week to talk about the 1980 film. Popeye which of course starred the Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall uh, and we'll be playing tracks from the Popeye soundtrack um, so I hope that you will all uh, join us next week um, And as I sign off here Phil the thrills is that actually the he uh, caught the the Green Hornet movie that uh or it was the green yeah it was the Green Hornet movie oh was that was that Happy Harbor <laughs> So, awesome. Well, and you're welcome. He says, thanks for another wonderful show. And I hope you all thought it was wonderful as well. I had a fun time bringing it uh, out to you. Um, you know, it was uh, it was great to be able to do this. And I love doing it every week. Hopefully, uh, you guys, you folks tune in to next week for more Four Color Radio. Like I said, our uh, guest will be Mike Parshon. And our soundtrack will be Popeye. Until then, um, stay comical, I guess. <laughs>
0: back.